Swagoo and Perk, a new ESPN podcast led by its namesake host, former NFL veteran and analyst Mark Spears, a.k.a. Swagoo, and NBA champion and analyst Kendrick Perkins. With new episodes every Tuesday morning, Spears and Perkins will bring listeners the latest NBA and NFL news as well as a look inside their lives, career journey with can't-miss conversations, and welcome in top sports and celebrity guests. That's Swagoo and Perk. Listen wherever you get your podcasts and also available on ESPN's YouTube channel. Welcome into Daily Wager Extra Podcast. I'm Doug Kazarian. We are taping this on Sunday night, November 7th. Uh, this is week nine, and we had some serious upsets, some seriously head-scratching outcomes. We're going to get into all that with Mackenzie Kramer momentarily, but just a really, really uh, healthy reminder as to what exactly the NFL betting world is all about, um, to just expect the unexpected. So let's get into it as we bring in ESPN researcher Mackenzie Kramer. Mac, how can you summarize today? Just another wild day. I think I think the main overarching point is that five underdogs of at least five points all won outright today. It's the first time that's happened on a single day since 2006. Underdogs went nine and three against the spread, seven and five outright. It's the second straight week's dogs have an outright winning record. Third time it's happened this season. And the last two weeks, underdogs 15 and 12 outright, 19, seven and one against the spread. So underdogs continue to bark in the National Football League. The only favorites to cover this week were the Colts on Thursday night. And even then, that came down to a pick in the, inside the five. Dolphins got there, hung on. Patriots dominated the Panthers, especially in the second half. And then the Chargers. Uh, you know, game-winning field goal as time expires. So there were four favorites that covered, and it was uh, very close to being less than that. Survivor pools took a serious beating. How Can you put into context through the Eliminator Challenge lens exactly what happened here? Well, uh, three of the five most popular teams on the board all lost outright this week. Uh, the Colts were the most popular team, so they won. But you saw the Cowboys go down. They were 18%. The Saints lost. They were a little bit further down the board. Um, the uh, – shoot uh, – Jag uh, Bills. Yes, the Bills. I'm sorry, I I couldn't find it on my on my notes right here. But uh, yeah, the the Bills lost. Well, that would have been a much higher number if people had if more people had Buffalo remaining. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's always the key. It's like a lot of people use the Colts against Houston. The Bills have been popular week, uh, popular several times this week. Um, but yeah, for but uh, yeah, Dallas, Buffalo, and Las Vegas were among the five most popular selections eliminator challenge. So another rough week in Survivor. I went down with the Saints, so my uh, my dreams all died with the Saints, which seems to happen every year with the Saints. I never learn my lesson with them yeah i had the cowboys in one pool and buffalo in the other but uh i maintained i stayed alive in circa so in all three um entries so i was able to do houston excuse me miami and uh ravens come back and win in overtime so that was and then i had indy on thursday night so carnage serious carnage in survivor pools people the last couple weeks are like it's too easy you got to go with the losing team so the winning team you can't use it twice it's like settle down like we've seen some ridiculous comebacks like, you know, the Tucker field goal in week two, I want to say, at Detroit, 66 yards. So uh, some serious carnage is now getting interesting if you are still alive in your survivor pools down to the last few. Uh, I want to just kind of get into some games. Cowboys, look, we talk about the NFL, how it's, you know, you come off, it's all about spots, right? Like, you come off a huge win, and you're going to have a, down, a letdown, kind of like Michigan State, many thought could happen on Saturday and it did and you get you're also getting everyone's best shot the Broncos I don't know if they were motivated with the trade of Von Miller but they were fired up and Dallas just didn't have it they just didn't have the same 
sort of energy as they did last week. That's the first time all year the Cowboys don't cover against the spread. They dropped a 7-1 and one against the spread. Denver kind of did what you have to do in this game. Bridgewater went six for seven on third down. They ran for 190 yards. They kept Dallas off the field. They they controlled the ball for over 42 minutes in this game. And then the Cowboys, I went over four on fourth down. Dak Prescott completing less than 50% of his passes. He entered the day first in the NFL in completion percentage. And then Teddy Bridgewater, once again, on the road, 19-3 and against the spread as a road underdog in his career. So Teddy Bridgewater on the road continues to be a cash cow for betters. It's truly remarkable. I still don't understand how the Jaguars beat the Bills without scoring a touchdown. I, the 9-6 is just insane. First game this season without a touchdown. I, I, I'm still not quite sure how that happened either, but yeah, 15 and a half points was the line on that game with the Jaguars pulling off the outright upset. It's the fourth straight year we've had at least a 15 a 15-point upset. We didn't have a single one in the previous 22 years and now it's happened four straight years. That stretch actually started in 2018 when uh, Josh Allen the Bills upset the Vikings and now Josh Allen the Bills are on the other end of it. So Josh Allen entered the week as the MVP favorite at 3 to 1 and you have to imagine that he's going to fall off a little bit, but pretty much all the MVP favorites struggled this week, so that's going to be interesting to see how those odds get reposted. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be very interesting. The Bills had the, the easy schedule, right, remaining after they won at Arrowhead, and now it's been um, really just head-scratching performance. Even last week, they were only up six late at home against the Dolphins and then end up winning by double digits, but just um, really puzzling results. I mean, exciting, and that's why we love the NFL, but really, really bizarre result. Let's go to the uh, couple games that had line moves with quarterback movement. Aaron Rodgers, we know about that. It closes seven. And Jordan Love did not look very good, but he didn't get any help from Mason Crosby either. A couple of missed field goals, and then he did get the backdoor cover, though. Packers, eighth straight cover for them. They're down eight and one against the spread. It ties the Bills last year for the longest streak in the last three seasons. But as for the Chiefs, it's it's hard to be impressed with what you're seeing with the Chiefs offense right now. They can't seem to get the ball down the field at all. And they're now a half game back in the AFC West, but I, I can't really trust the Chiefs at all. I mean, that offense is not looking good at all. The defense did show up today, but I don't know how much of that is just Jordan Love struggling and how much of that is a Chiefs defense. But even though with, even with the win, you still leave with a lot of doubts about Kansas City. The defense has played a little better. Now, granted, not exactly playing uh, Tom Brady and company, but. I will say that it's looked a little sharper and more connected, which is something I couldn't have said in the past. And that's just my vibe. But think about the Chiefs' five wins. They beat the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. They beat the three worst teams in the NFC East, so the non-Cowboy teams in that division. And then week one against the Browns where they came back and Mahomes is out of this world. So verdict is still out on Kansas City, justifiably. Now, the other game we did see... Kyler Murray scratched. It happened. We kind of anticipated the line market line move certainly suggested that was coming and no DeAndre Hopkins. And the Niners just shot themselves in the foot, couldn't recover a fumble. Arizona got every fumble, got the face mask on fourth down when Colt McCoy got stuffed and then they just are not good. that good playing from behind. And they also shot themselves in the foot with coaching decisions. Kyle Shanahan not going for two to cut it to 16 yep. late. They punted in Cardinals territory in the fourth quarter, down by three scores. So I'm not quite sure what Shanahan's thinking right there. Shanahan now 11-21-2 ATS as a favorite in his career. So he's been really bad in the, as a favorite. But as for the Cardinals, they're now 5-0 and on the road this year with all five wins by double digits. They've been an underdog four times this year. They've won all four times, all by at least 14 points. In fact, today's win was actually the closest one out of the four. So big game for uh, Cliff Kingsbury, Coach of the Year Futures. 
Yeah, no, you know what? McCarthy was the favorite going into last week, but you wonder if that's if that's sort of where we're headed with Kingsbury because he really put on a clinic today. Well, the guy I bet uh, on really last advanced. week, as I bet on Mike Vrabel at twenty to one earlier in the week after Henry went down, kind of hoping that they would put up a big, they would put up a good record a against call. that division if the, if they start having good, if they start playing better on offense without Henry Vrabel will get credit for it. So I'm hoping that that ticket's pretty live, especially after the win over the Rams. But Kingsbury, you have to imagine, is the favorite after winning without Kyler Murray. Yeah, I would say Kingsbury and Vrabel would be my two choices right now. I would make them the favorites um, just off the top of my head. I'm sure I'm forgetting someone and can't think of it, but that's really impressive. What I mean, Vrabel, let's talk about the Sunday night game. Obviously, I was all about the Rams, completely no-showed. And I'll tell you what, man, what we saw with Denver, uh, what we saw with Arizona, and when, when guys go down, it's it's you get, every, they get, get the kitchen sink from everyone. I mean, look how fired up Tennessee was, at least in the first half. And we thought the Rams would be ready to flip the switch, but they were just kind of going through the motions like they were playing those three uh, bad teams. Like they came in playing the Giants, the Lions, and the Texans. It was sort of uh, – but give the coaching credit. And then Collinsworth pointed out in the broadcast, second half, he got Stafford on the rollout, got, and, and that was much more easier to create pass lanes. But, you know, they ended up getting stalling on offense and kicking field goals. Stafford entered the day first at total QBR by a pretty wide margin. You have to imagine – we haven't gotten the QBR numbers yet for that game, but he's going to slip a little bit after that game. Um, but got to give a lot of credit to the Titans' defense in that one. The Titans' defense has been pretty maligned all year, but they pressured Stafford all game. They forced him into that wild pick six at the beginning of the game – or the wild interception at the beginning of the game that helped set up the Titans, and then he threw another pick six right after that. But the Titans, they've now won four straight games as an underdog of at least three points. They're the fourth team to do that in the Super Bowl era. And they're now 5-0 and outright, outright as an underdog this year. So they're basically the AFC version of the Cardinals. They're the first team since the 2009 Bengals to win their first five games of the season as an underdog. And Mike Vrabel in his career, 16-10 and outright as a dog now. So Vrabel as a dog, really uh, strong trends there. I like how Collinsworth put it about that defense. They just like they just play tough. Like they're just hit you. You know, we did radio this morning and everyone's just kind of dismissing the Titans, right? It's just like, ah, one of those teams that just kind of get plays the first weekend of the playoffs and maybe the second weekend, but not really a true contender. Now the Derrick Henry injury obviously matters, but it's about time to, and I'm looking at myself in the mirror. It's about time. The Titans started getting some respect. I doubted them pretty heavily early in the year. I, I I was on this podcast talking about how that division was, and I think I said the, the the division winner would be lucky to be over 500. Clearly, I was wrong about that, but I still have some doubts about the Titans, though. Their offense did not look good today. Tannehill only had 143 in really the air. Bad. They couldn't really run the ball, so I'm still I still am kind of doubtful in terms of what the Titans' offense will look like the rest of the year. The rest of their schedule is not that bad. Five of the last, uh, they still five more home games the rest of the year. Got a couple against Houston, so I think the Titans. I mean, they're obviously going to win that division and they're going to put up a gaudy record, but come playoff time, I still have a lot of doubts with Tennessee. I'm curious to see where they are in a week or two on that offense because the running game was non-existent and I know the Rams defense can be formidable. So let's see what it is against other teams. They had a couple drops. That's not going to happen. So Tannehill played okay. And then they they played like conservative in the second half, just protecting the lead and wanted to get the clock moving. So it's hard to really assess them, but you could see the, the void that Derrick Henry created with his absence for sure. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, the other afternoon game, I touched on it. Chargers-Eagles went back and forth. Classic situation. And then, you know, the Chargers kick a game-winning field goal. Staley goes for it on fourth down to keep possession instead of kicking a 50-something yarder. Something what everyone wanted Belichick to do when when the Patriots hosted Brady and the and the Bucks earlier in the year in the rain on Sunday night. Yeah, I think he actually went for it f- uh, twice on that final possession on fourth down. So yeah, I think I love right. I, I love Brandon. I I love when coaches do that. So I, I'm a huge Brandon Staley fan. That was also a, a big win for the public. Ninety one percent of the tickets, ninety seven percent of the money were on the Chargers. So in a week where a lot of underdogs won and the public didn't necessarily have the best week, that was one game that went uh, the public's way. Yeah, we didn't really touch on it. it. It sounded like the the dogs barking, all these upsets. That's that's good for the house. Let's just put it that way. All the parlays. But one odds maker told me recently, he's like, you don't want too many of them because some some knuckleheads will parlay them all. <laughs> so you got to be careful. You just want a couple pieces to the to the puzzle not to fit, right? You want a couple upsets. You don't want a bunch because there are guys putting three or four of them together uh, and, and parlay. Have tickets. the favorites yeah, win, but not cover. See. Well, that's good, but you you want some to lose outright for the for the teasers and the parlays, the money line parlays. But you don't want too many dogs to win outright because that amplifies all the money line parlays on the dogs too. Absolutely. So you want a hodgepodge. That's sort of what they say. Um, trying to think, going to the early games, Houston, Miami. Let's put a bow on it. I, I said it on air. It was like one of the few things I said right. Was like, hey, let's let's pump the brakes on Tyrod Taylor being the savior. Yes, he's way better than Davis Mills, but it's still okay to use Miami in eliminator. It's still okay to lay points against the Texans with Miami. But then the two was scratched. That that really uh, kind of caught me off guard. That line opened seven. It closed at four. Dolphins won by eight, so the line move didn't end up mattering. I mean, that, I didn't watch that much of that game because if there's a bunch of NFL games, that would obviously be the one I would not want to watch. But they combined for nine turnovers in that game. So really ugly game, but good for Miami snapping a five-game streak without covering the spread. So they're back on the winning column. If two of plays, they went by like 30. I mean, like Brissett has just no awareness, takes sacks when he doesn't need to to get out of the field goal range. Just like a lot of um, unaware plays. It was really poor, and the turnovers were terrible. Dolphins dominated at least the first half or so. And I, I guess I was sweating it out the uh, survivor pool, but, man, that was a that was a painful one to watch. Speaking of painful, I can imagine what the Raiders are going through right now. It's been an unusual week, to say the least. And they had to travel the Giants. We, we weren't sure uh, whether it could be, hey, change the scenery, get kind of clear their minds. Maybe it's going to be a shot in the arm they needed or human element. Imagine everything going on this week. They just have, you know, there's no way they could kind of play a football game. And it was close. You know, you don't want, you don't want to point fingers on anything or chalk it up to anything or blame anything. But it was certainly a situation where, uh, you know, there was a tough ask to ask the Raiders to go on the road for there. It's hard to, it's hard to de- see a team dealing with as much off the field stuff as the Raiders have dealt with this year between the Gruden stuff and the Henry Rugg stuff. It's just been a really emotional toll of the season for the Raiders so far. And they're still fi- They're still right there. They're still tied for first place in the, in the AFC West and they get the chargers next week in Vegas. So that's, that'll be an interesting game to see where both the, where the, those two teams are at, uh, I believe the Chiefs are next week, actually. I, no, that's not what I said. I thought I said that, but um, sorry if I didn't. Oh, but 
yeah. was a little concerned about the Raiders coaching in this game, taking two field goals on fourth and three from the seven yard line with the team trailing. And Daniel Carlson, Carlson actually ended up missing one of them. So that ended up looking pretty bad for them. But I'm curious how the Raiders will respond from this. Uh, Giants, you know, they've always struggled as a home underdog the last few years. Uh, they were four and nine ATS entering the game with Daniel Jones as a home dog. So they're now five and nine. But, you know, good, good win for the Giants at the, at the Meadowlands against Vegas. Yeah, my dog of the day play. Giants, G-men, get it out right. Uh, you mentioned your Saints eliminator pick. That was a crazy comeback, only to see the Falcons go back and kick a game-winning field goal. So certainly, you know, this game was at halftime 10-0, okay? Just to give people concept, and it somehow goes over the total of 43-and-a-half. It shatters it almost, 52 it lands. 27-25, Falcons proved a 4-4. Four and four. They're right there in the playoff mix. Let's not sleep on Atlanta. And although the, just having um, Ridley out is just definitely a, an issue, but total flat spot for the Saints, much like the Cowboys, right? Huge win last week in, in a big-time moment, so to speak, and then just kind of it's tough to get up, and that's what makes this Titans run so impressive. They're getting up for all these games. And the Falcons tried to falcon it away. I mean, 18 point lead in the fourth quarter would have been the largest blown lead in the fourth quarter since Super Bowl 51 when the Patriots fal- uh, came back against the Falcons. Uh, the Saints, though, I, I talk about this a bunch on the show. Like, I don't like laying points with the Saints, even though apparently I picked them in Survivor, but they're 0 and 4 against the spread when laying at least three points this season, 1 and 3 straight up in that spot. But when they're an underdog or a shorter favorite, they're 4 and 0 against the spread and outright. So, when the Saints are big favorites, they tend to lay eggs. And when they're underdogs, that's when they tend to show up. So uh, you'd think that I would learn my lesson on the Saints since I talk about this every week, but it came through again this week. Well, picking them in Survivor versus picking them as a laying point is very different, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of planning ahead. It was really just them or Miami, and I opted for New Orleans at the last second, which obviously I regret. Well, in the same vein, when you talked about the Saints, you said the same thing about the Patriots, right? You don't like to lay points with them, but they did take care of business. Sam Darnold was just baffled again seeing ghosts perhaps he did not want to face a belichick defense made some bad plays i think he's mediocre at best so i've always been questioning the the praise that people had on him even coming out of usc and i'm a usc guy but uh for the most part the patriots made the plays the panthers did not Uh, yeah i might have to uh amend my theory about the patriots i mean this is basically the patriots formula dominate the game defensively and don't make mistakes offensively they only had they didn't even have two 300 yards in the game but they held the panthers to 240 yards with three turnovers. You mentioned Sam Darnold. He's got he's faced he's faced the Patriots four times in his career. He's got one touchdown pass in those games with nine interceptions, 0-4 against the spread. Some people thought Darnold might play better this week with Christian McCaffrey back in the lineup. The Panthers had been three and zero against the spread when McCaffrey had played, but you know it didn't happen for them today. And Darnold and his total QBR today scale of one to 100 put up a three. So rough game for Sam Darnold. <laughs> I'm going to venture to say that's not very not good. great, Bob. But the Patriots, though, they're now a half, they're a half game back in that division. And if Damian Harris doesn't fumble in week one against Miami, New England might be in first. It's crazy. Uh, I, my Belichick coach of the year ticket still live, by the I way. Agree. So two big games and great games, or at least one was, that we have yet to touch on. Let's go Browns-Bengals. Battle of Ohio. Such a hoopla surrounding Cleveland, given the Odell Beckham Jr. release. And going on the road, this Bengals team had shot itself in the foot a couple times, got away with it against Jacksonville, did not get away with it against the Jets. So maybe we were expecting like a good performance from Cincy, given it was not off a big win or anything. But the pick near the goal line on the opening drive, it really never got back to them. 
Cleveland dominated this one in Cincy. And it was all about the big plays. They're the first team since the merger with a passing touchdown, a rushing touchdown, and a defensive touchdown, all of at least 60 yards. They had the 99-yard pick six, the 60-yard touchdown by Donovan Peoples-Jones, and then Chubb had that 70-yard run. So it was all about the big plays for the Browns. The Bengals, now they go to a bye week coming after losing to the Jets, getting blown out by the Bengals, getting blown out by the Browns. It's interesting to see where the Bengals uh, are situated coming out of the bye next week. Yeah, this, I mean, this is a long season. Let's not forget the Bucs last year lost to the Bears on Thursday night. Remember Tom Brady didn't know what down it was. It's such a long season. We've seen so many teams peak at the end of the year, and they talked about in the broadcast. They even saw, sent some players sitting out when they went normally that extra week. It's basically load management. I'm not saying they're there yet or anywhere close to the NBA, but there is an element of a marathon, not a sprint. And I, I, you can sense that with some of this. And um, some of the teams are peaking too early, perhaps. And that's what, again, goes back to what I've said about the Titans earlier. It's just so impressive what they're doing, these monumental high-profile games, and they're just bringing it and hitting, and it's it's very impressive, and they do it again without Derrick Henry. Vikings-Ravens game, probably the game of the day, unless I'm missing one. 34-31, Ravens win in overtime, their second possession. Uh, so both defenses hold. It wasn't like they traded field goals either. And then Justin Tucker uh, connects. This was all Minnesota early, and Baltimore comes back, and it's just an impressive run for the Ravens. They've been playing with fire. They don't cover. They're, one, what, 1-5 one this year as a favorite? I don't have that in front of me, but but I know they've, they've, done, they've done poorly as a favorite. That's for sure. Yeah. What other uh, stats stood out? So Mike Zimmer blows it lead. Shocker. And um, Vikings fall to three and five. Ravens six and two. They're right there in the playoff mix. I know they're already there in the playoff mix, but they're among the contenders now in the AFC. Well, you mentioned the double-digit comeback by the Ravens. It's now their third double-digit comeback of the year, most in the NFL. We used to always talk about the Ravens as a front-running team with Lamar Jackson. You want to get them ahead. They want to run the ball. Like They had never come back from double digits down before the season, and now they've done it three times this year. So Lamar Jackson clearly is making some some strides in the passing game. Today he kind of dominated in the short passing game as opposed to the big deep balls to Marquise Brown like he had been doing in the past. The Ravens nearly pulled an Urban Meyer today, going to uh, nearly 250 yards rushing and 250 yards passing. So they almost got that done. Uh, Minnesota, you call that the Urban Meyer? Uh, well, that's what he wanted to do. <laughs> that's what he said he wanted to do. I missed that quote. But, but uh, <laughs> every Vikings game, though, seems to come right down to the final play. They've had seven one-score games this year. They've had five one-score losses this season. I mean, I was on Minnesota in that game. I was on them at six. I was surprised I went up to seven. I'm just, I'm just gonna take Minnesota and get the point. If I'm getting over a field goal, I'm gonna take them, and uh, unless they're playing like a really good team or in a really bad spot, because every Minnesota game comes right down to the wire, and it's Greg Joseph lining up for a go-ahead field goal, or it's whoever they're playing lining up for a go-ahead field goal. Every game comes right down to the wire in Minnesota. All right, that covers the Sunday card Monday night. I mean, it's ridiculous, the spread and the, the, with the total, right? You had six and a half and 39, or it's up to seven and 39. I can't lay seven. I don't want seven either. These are the types of games the Bears win, though. I will say that. Um, Steelers tend to win as a dog. Choke this one away. I have a feeling Steelers win this by three late or in overtime, kind of like that uh, Sunday night game against Seattle. Yeah, to me, this is a dog or pass kind of game. You can't. I, it's hard to justify laying seven points with the Steelers, though. If you tell me that Justin Fields has one of the worst games all season by a quarterback and the Steelers win 27 to three, I wouldn't be that surprised by that either. The total in this game is 39 right now, which would tie the lowest of the season. The Texans Patriots game from a few weeks back also is 39. So low total expected in that game. I don't really have a strong lean, though. 
Yeah, my only play is first half under. I think both teams, and it's crazy saying this about Big Ben, but are going to protect their quarterbacks and be pretty vanilla. I say it all the time in defensive matchups. They want to wait for the other team to make the mistake, lean on your defense. And then sometimes in the second half, things get crazy, right? There's a going for it around midfield on fourth down or pressing. A quarterback throws into double coverage when they're down 10. You get a pick six or short field for the other team's offense after a turnover. That's why I like to go first half unders when it's a low, low number. And if you want the first quarter under, the first quarter under is at seven. So a really low first quarter Ooh. under in this game. I gave out seven, under seven and a half in the Air Force Army game. Uh, I was like, well, you really only need one punt. I think it was zero, zero until the second half. But um, you just blind bet the unders in service academy games when they're playing other service well, yeah, academies. But, that but, is the best trend in, in college football. But it's a fascinating topic because obviously the units of scoring in football are three and seven, and there's no sense of urgency at the end of the first and third quarters. So when you get the hook, do they make the juice right? So if it's seven and a half versus six and a half, like is the juice accurate enough given the likelihood how how slow those tempos are and how they just will grind on the ground and, and the fact that the defenses are used to facing that type of offense in practice as opposed to other teams on their schedule. Yeah, it's de- no, it's definitely a fascinating topic in terms of which is better, laying a quarter price or laying a half price. I haven't dug too deep into which one's better. I, I always like getting the quarter prices because I, I'm, I'm with you. I like, you know, the teams aren't motivated to score at the end of the first and the third, but, you know, you're also going to get low right. number, lower numbers doing it that way. So it's a little bit of a give and a take. Yeah, one freak play. Well, I'm going first half of the Steelers-Bears game. Have some fun with it. Nothing too crazy. But uh, great stuff as always, Mackenzie. Always good. Uh, you always uh, have awesome, awesome notes and research done for these podcasts. And I know our listeners greatly appreciate it. Any notes that we left out uh, in terms of kind of put a bow on this uh, week nine Sunday? Well, I, one thing I mentioned earlier was the, with the MVP race, I kind of wanted to touch on. So if you look at the six MVP favorites entering this week, Josh Allen was the three to one favorite. He lost the Jaguars, didn't throw a touchdown pass. Kyler Murray was second at five to one. He didn't play because of an injury. Tom Brady was third at plus 550. He didn't play because of bye week. He's the only one whose stock didn't fall this week. Matthew Stafford struggled and lost to the Titans. They lost as an upset. Dak Prescott was plus 750. They lost to Denver. He didn't complete half his passes. And Aaron Rodgers didn't play due to COVID. So pretty much all the favorites for MVP fell apart this week. So we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but I would imagine that Tom Brady is probably the favorite going into next week. And their schedule gets easier in November, December. Now, obviously, things can change. We thought the Bills would have an easy schedule going into you know Jacksonville. So anything can happen. But it, it is going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out because the NFC was so stacked with one-loss teams. Obviously, that's not the case anymore after the Rams. But, oh, God, it's fat. It's really hard in one-way betting markets to find value. Are you coming around at all in Mahomes? I'm not. No, not at all. Their ways away. Not at all. I, I, yeah. I have plenty of Mahomes bets in my accounts. I thought about doubling down a couple weeks ago, but I am completely off of that bandwagon. I don't really see him winning that award. They already have they already have four losses, and his numbers aren't going to be as good as other guys. I think there's going to be a better narrative around Brady. I think there'll be a better narrative around Stafford. I, I unless the Chiefs or just whoever gets the one seed, right? Like yeah. or you know that team's going to have to play well because of the quarterback. Yeah, I mean I don't, I don't think you necessarily need the one seed, but yeah, I, I would want I would definitely want a division winner. That's for sure. And I don't. It's a good point. Yeah, one or two seed basically as history has shown us. All right, my man. Uh, thank you again. And uh, thanks, everyone, for downloading, listening. I hope you enjoy the fact that we post these pods Sunday night, having fresh Monday mornings as well, especially if you're on the East Coast. You're not up this late waiting for this pod. But uh, we try to have this uh, raw and uh, reaction and get get you all set on the work week in the uh, proper fashion, breaking down the Sunday action in the NFL. 